Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and happy Friday. Yes, a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where we're broadcasting today from the Freedom Phone Studios here in Washington, D.C. Yes, for the next month, we're going to be calling our radio studio here the Freedom Phone in honor of the great new product that our partner has uh, created, a phone that goes against censorship, that enhances your privacy from big tech snooping and big government snooping and most importantly gives you the freedom to pick the carrier you want for your phone by allowing you to put in a chip from any carrier you choose that is in the marketplace today what a great phone what a great idea if you want to check it out you just go to justthenews.com slash freedom phone for the latest offer we've got special offers only for just the news subscribers we hope you like it we're looking forward to more and more people checking it out and if it's the right phone for them buying it i've got one i love it i love the privacy features i love the new store with all of the anti-censorship ads you know parlor cloud hub getter you know them all just the news soon to be on that store uh so check it out justthenews.com slash freedom phone and uh, today we're broadcasting in honor of that great project from the Freedom Phone Studios here in Washington, D.C. All right, we've got two amazing guests. First, a return favorite. Uh, every time Jessica Anderson comes on this show from Heritage Action for America, we get lots of great comments. People love her insights, her in-depth policy understanding, her prescriptions to solve things. You know, Jessica Anderson isn't just one of those persons that goes out and says, I know another problem. Here it is. She's out there offering a solution and what a novel idea in washington where so many people curse the darkness but few have a flashlight to figure it out well jessica anderson is always shining a flashlight and uh, we're going to talk to her today about the latest on election integrity what happened yesterday in arizona what's happened recently in georgia at the supreme court with the arizona ballot laws big stuff to talk to on election front and of course another important topic critical race theory the revolt against 
uh, teachers and academics and school boards and school administrators for bringing in a curriculum that some people believe is racist, anti-American, inappropriate for America's children and young adults. Big debate going on, a big political movement from the school boards all the way to Washington, D.C., and everywhere in between. And Jessica is going to give us the latest on that. So glad to have her on the show. She's a regular. We're proud to have her on. Always get some big takeaways. And then uh, we're going to introduce you to a person you probably have never heard of before. His name is Saber Rock, S-A-B-E-R, last name Rock, R-O-C-K. He is an Afghan-born U.S. military interpreter. He lives in America now. Because of his heroism, he was given entree and permanent green card status here in the United States, wounded multiple times in the service of the U.S. military, once almost mortally by an IED that was specifically targeting him because he dared as an Afghan to fight for America, to work with America, to cooperate with America, to assist our troops on the front lines of the war against terror in Afghanistan. He survived that, though with many wounds and casualties and scars. Uh, He is an American hero, an unbelievable character. I got to meet him when I was running Circa back for Sinclair Broadcast Group back in 2015, and we made a documentary. It ultimately, with the work of great filmmakers like the LaCastro brothers, Tom and Matthew LaCastro here in the Washington, D.C. area, like my good colleague Grace Cutler, it won the Hollywood Film Festival Award for Best Short Form Documentary. It was a contender for an Oscar. It got on uh, many places for distribution, perhaps the most important, Amazon. If you want to go to Amazon Prime, you can find Saber Rock on there still. It is a 20-minute movie that speaks hours and hours of wisdom from an extraordinary man. And the reason I'm bringing Saber Rock on, I met him while he was working After his most recent IED attack, he was working at a food truck here in America, and it was hard not to fall in love with him and his personal story and his love for America. Yes, that's kind of rare today. You have so many Americans uh, taking a shot at our country, uh, not appreciating all that's great about it. Well, guess what? Saber Rock knows what's great about America. That's why he fought for us. But he has a crisis, and we're going to illuminate that crisis here on Just the News, on John Solomon Reports. His family, his mother, his father, his brother, his sisters, his immediate family, they still live in Afghanistan and they have a fatwa. They have a death threat on their head by the Taliban. And he is trying to get them to come to America. He is pleading with Congress. He's pleading with the military. He's pleading with President Biden to bring his family to America and to safety, along with many other families of American interpreters. I think there's like 1,500 of them. This is a big dilemma. The American State Department has moved slowly. They say they want to do the right thing. Time is shrinking every day that passes. Each one of those interpreters who are left on the ground, each one of those family members of an interpreter risk the same danger that Saber Rock himself suffered, IED, torture, their children being put into sexual trafficking. The amazing story of an amazing American hero, Saber Rock. You probably never heard of him. You will remember him, I promise you, after you hear this interview today. We're looking forward to spending some time with my good friend, Saber Rock. Those are the two big interviews today. Buckle up. We're going to have a great one. But before we go, we always have a breaking story, right? And today's an important one. We've heard Hunter Biden vacillate for months. Was that his laptop or was it not? And he said, maybe it could have been. Could also have been Russian disinformation. Could have been stolen. Could be an intelligence propaganda. I don't know. Well, we were able to answer a big factual question for you. We went out and hired one of the best 
FBI handwriting experts in the world. This is a guy that worked during the Cold War in counter-espionage, in counter-intelligence to protect our country, to unmask Russian and Soviet spies. He is widely regarded as one of the FBI's best in handwriting signature analysis. And today, he issued a report to us that we have up on Just the News. It's a big story, declaring that the signature on the receipt for Hunter Biden from the person who turned over the Hunter Biden laptop to John Paul McIsaac, the laptop repair shop in Delaware, he has concluded, I'm not making this up, this is real, buckle your seatbelt, it is, in fact, Hunter Biden's signature. Pretty hard to argue it's not his laptop if he's the guy that signed when he turned it over, right? Very important finding uh, exclusively for Just the News. We went out and hired, and this gentleman spent enormous amount of time. His name is Wayne Barnes, longtime FBI agent, 29 years in service of his country, one of the best counterintelligence agents we had during the Cold War, widely regarded for his signature analysis. He's since retiring from the FBI, worked on healthcare fraud cases, many other things, uh, a truly distinguished expert and he looked at the signature he compared it to the ones on hunter biden's driver's license his social security card other documents that we know hunter biden signed and he concludes without equivocation that the receipt signed for the day that the laptop hunter biden's laptop was turned over to a delaware shop the one owned by john paul mcisaac who we've had on this show well that it is indeed hunter biden's signature Hunter Biden signed that spreadsheet. He may have amnesia. He may have tried to cast doubt on the laptop and its findings. But today, one of the FBI's premier experts has made a declaration. You can read the report yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. We not only had hired uh, Wayne to do this work, he wrote a lengthy report. You get to read the whole report. It goes into great detail about signature matching, why he came to this conclusion. He flagged some other signatures in the public domain that he raises questions about. Another piece in the puzzle that the story that Twitter tried to censor, that the mainstream media in Washington and across this country tried to call a conspiracy theory, is in fact a real story. That is Hunter Biden's laptop. We've known for some time, not only because we did a signature match, but because we've been able to authenticate with other senders and recipients of emails that those were their emails. Those are authentic emails. That's why we've been reporting the contents for the last few months. But today, we have an FBI expert that says Hunter Biden signed the receipt for the laptop that showed up in the Delaware repair shop, now in the hands of the FBI. Hmm, I wonder if the FBI did the same work. I don't know. We'll have to find out. You can get that story on top of just the news. Now, we're going to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Heritage Action for America's Jessica Anderson, always a great interview, a great friend of the show. She's up. And then a man I believe you'll never forget after you hear his story, Saber Rock, the Afghan interpreter for the United States military, wounded multiple times, seriously, while serving the United States. He's here in America safe. His family is under grave danger in Afghanistan. They can't get out and get to America they need the State Department, the Biden administration, Congress, somebody to save their lives. Saber Rock here to tell his story and that of his family and that of the 1,500 plus interpreters who, and other Afghans who worked with our U.S. military for the last two decades from the war on terror, whose own lives and their families' lives are in jeopardy. This is a story you got to take seriously. You got to listen. You will not forget my good friend, Saber Rock. An amazing story. I once helped make a movie about him with some great colleagues. The amazing one and only Saber Rock here on John Solomon Reports right after this commercial break. 
Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a great friend of this show, a great friend of the truth, uh, joining us uh, again, uh, as we have had her on many times, and we'll have her on many times uh, again, is Jessica Anderson, the Executive Director of Heritage Action for America. Jessica, so great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, John. It's great to be here. It is. And so much is going on on the issues that matter to the American people. Elections, critical race theory. Uh, hardly a day goes by without an explosive revelation. And uh, I wanted to start with something that you and I have talked many times on this show about, and that is election integrity. What we're still learning about the 2020 election in places like Arizona and Georgia and what state legislatures are doing to make sure that we don't have a repeat of 2020 that what we really have is an easier to vote, harder to cheat system in America. Uh, what have you made of the last couple of weeks with court rulings in Arizona, on the Supreme Court, Arizona, Georgia, not getting an injunction, uh, not blocking the new law there? Uh, how do you, good do you feel about where the courts are headed on this issue? So I think it's been incredibly encouraging to see the court take the side of the American people, specifically when you look at the Arizona Supreme Court case and the ruling that came down yeah. uh, about 10 days ago. And I, I think where this is all is trending is that the courts can provide clarity and they can provide in turn confidence back to the American people that their vote in the future will be secure. And I think that's what each of us are, are really wrestling with, trying to understand what happened November 2020 but then to ensure that, that 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 same sort of chaos is not allowed to take root in our upcoming elections, the midterms in 22, of course, the presidential in 24. And that's why this rub between the legal and all of the, the court rulings are backing right into the legislation that's moving through state capitals, even still now, some sessions, of course, have, have already adjourned when you look at Arizona, they adjourned right. on June 30th, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, et cetera. But some stuff is ongoing. And, and, and I think that's really the inflection point that we see today uh, as all eyes are on Texas and what's going on there um, and how we can continue to get legislation through at the state level. It is remarkable what happened in Texas. I mean, what statement do, does the Democratic Party make in your mind to voters when they flee the state to avoid doing their constitutional duty as legislators? Um, what, how do you think that plays out? I mean, obviously, Governor Abbott says we're, they're going to be arrested when they come back. Uh, but um, there's a bigger optics issue for the American people looking at who's serious about this issue and who's not. How do you think the Texas charade plays out? Well, 
the charade is it to me is is nothing more than a circus. I mean, this is political theater or political farce really at its worst, and it shouldn't be allowed to stand. Can you imagine if this was Republicans? I yeah, mean, no, Republicans be, would be scorched uh, would. on any front page news. So it's not only it's not only that Texas Democrats are refusing to do their job. But I think it goes even further than that, that they are leveraging the vote in Texas, just as they did in Georgia, actually, to create this false narrative of, an, of, of, a, of a voting rights crisis or an urgency against um, all of these state bills so that they can create this wave to put pressure on Congress to nuke the filibuster and pass H.R. 4. They yeah. tried to do S-1. They were unsuccessful. They're moving to H.R. 4. And so what's ironic to me, and I don't think this is lost on the American people, is that the Texas Democrats are filibustering a vote, and then they're coming to D.C. And to complaining about the Republicans. Filibuster. <laughs> it's just, it's, just um, it's wild. I don't think it's a good look. I think it's a very, very bad PR stunt on right. their, uh, from their perspective. I don't know how you're a moderate, and you look at that and you think, wow, it's okay for an elected official to obfuscate and not do their job, right? I mean, yeah. that's what this comes down to. They get paid to do this. So I think that the leadership in Texas is right um, to look at all of their options from asking legislators to return their per diem that they're being paid to remove Democrat committee chairs. I mean, that to me should be a starting point. They should be punished politically in their policy position. I know Governor Abbott has already doubled down and said that those that have left the state will be arrested upon their return. And so, you know, at some point they have to come back. They can't hide out in a D.C. hotel indefinitely. Uh -huh. So if I had to guess, they come back on day 29 uh, in the night of, of the 30-day special session. Uh, Governor Abbott may or may not have people waiting for them, the sergeant-at-arms, for arrest right when they return. And then Governor Abbott needs to call a second special session and needs to put butts in chairs to get this vote done. And I think that's what the American people want. They want to see um, these bills have a vote, and they want to make sure that legislators do their job, whether they agree with the policy or not. It's uh, pretty remarkable to think we have fugitive lawmakers, fugitives from doing the business that the American people sent them to do. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, by the way, the way they left, right? They got on private charters. They they're holed up in hotels, hanging out with politically muckety-mucks instead of doing the people's business. Um, it, you're right. I think those in the middle are scratching uh, scratching their head. One of the things that perplexes me on this, and, you know, the president was out uh, this week, President Biden was out this week uh, campaigning or talking and so ramped up that rhetoric again that this is the greatest crisis. This voting, these voting right legislations are the greatest crisis since the Civil War, and you know he's shooting that rhetoric into uh, uh, an arena where the vast majority of the American people actually like what's in the bill. They like voter ID. They like having all votes counted on election day. They don't want absentee ballots wandering in two, three, four, five days later because their common sense tells them that is a opportunity for abuse or, or fraud or, or mismanagement or whatever. When you look at this, uh, when do the Democrats wake up and realize that their, their, their sentiments are going against, you know, not, not a, just a simple majority, but a vast majority, 60, 70, 80% majority on these issues. Uh, they're really going against the vast majority of Americans' will. Does that come with a consequence at some point at the election box or elsewhere? Well, I definitely think that the moderate de Texas Democrats that are 
um, not part of this boondoggle trip, you know, there's about 10 of them. Yeah, that actually they stayed behind. Boondoggle. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's a real story there because those are the folks that recognize that this is dangerous for their own reelection efforts. They didn't partake in the shenanigans. And now they're in a situation where, you know, what do they do? Do they try to have arm's length from this charade or do they um, stand up and actually support the provisions that are in SB1 and HB3 or what do they do there? So I think they recognize just how complicated this issue is. But who doesn't recognize it, though, I think is the Democrat leadership. I think their head is completely in the sand on this one. They're completely ignorant and ignoring uh, what the polling shows, what the grassroots outcry is from Texans across the state. And then the national media, where you even have moderate news outlets that are saying, this is crazy. This is a political stunt. This isn't real. I don't think that that's going to move them. What I think will actually move them is money. Yeah. At a certain point, they are going to run out of money to be here. Right now, the Democrat caucus is paying for this trip. It paid the expenses of the private jet. It's paying for the hotel. They are actively, as of, as of today, starting to fundraise online for private Amazing. donations. Yeah, so at some point, money talks. Yeah, it does. Behind their jobs. Will they be able to keep their jobs? I mean, I don't know a job that if you don't show up, for, for two weeks that you get to keep. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot at play. I actually think money is going to move them before they actually listen to the people that they represent because their head is in the sand on this one, John. Yeah, there's an elitism um, mm-hmm. that separates mm-hmm. uh, some of the Democratic. You know, one of the things you can say, you, you may disagree or not like uh, Bill Clinton, or, but he had a sense of reading the American public as a Democrat, and he tried to, in his presidency, maybe post-presidency, he's much more liberal, but in his current, in his regular presidency, he was very attuned to where the middle of America was, and it's probably why he had you know, so much success in policies, you know, being able to make deals with Newt Gingrich. The elitist leadership of the Democratic Party, the um, uh, NEA, the National Education Association, the lar- one of the largest teachers unions aligned with Democrats, whether it's CRT, voting integrity election, uh, the violence uh, sweeping America because of the funding of police. It seems as though this leadership is completely disconnected from the everyday black, white, Asian, Hispanic, American populace. And uh, I wonder if that disconnect becomes exploited too, uh, soon or become obvious in, in the election. What Do you think that disconnect is becoming frustrating to the American public? Yes, very much so. I think that the current progressive left has essentially taken hostage of the entire Democrat Party. And what you may have seen with um, common sense or or the ability to have a real life discussion of, of Clinton Democrats. I mean, there is there is there's no room for that in today's yeah. Democrat Party nope. period. And so they are overreaching with this agenda. They are they are ignoring uh, the views of the American people. They're ignoring the common sense values and principles that have made our country great. Um, and it's it's running everywhere. I mean, and I I, I think to make the point even greater. Some of them, I think, actually, some Democrat strategists, I think, have realized the overreach. And that's why you see, you know, Biden's press secretary out on the stump this last week saying, actually, wait, Democrats weren't running on defund the police. Republicans were. And you're just like, what planet are you coming (laughs) from that you can even make that argument when your vice president was posting bail for the rioters? When you had all leading Democrat voices at the time saying we should reimagine and restructure police departments. I mean, that wasn't just rhetoric. That then led to cities, even even cities that you wouldn't think of, like a, like Dallas, had resolutions on the docket to defund 
or completely reallocate their police departments, their law enforcement budgets. And so you can't rewrite history. Nope. I think that's a trend, right? Democrats are trying to rewrite history. They're doing this with critical race theory. They're doing this with how they view women and sports and how they view equality versus equity. And they're doing this in the defund the police versus support law enforcement space. You can't get away with that. And they're overreaching. It's going to come back to bite them. And it's going to be in the benefit of the American people. My hope is for conservative candidates to be able to take that, not be afraid to talk about these you know, more social or cultural issues, talk about them in earnest, and let's win in 2022. Yeah, such an important point that taking this to the American people, I think the mistake that Democrats and also I, I say this about my profession, they actually think the American people are dumb, that they're going to actually fall for some of these lines that they've thrown out in the last couple of weeks, like Republicans were for defunding the police. No, they weren't. Uh, uh, but I think that there's a greater insult to the American people when they realize that some of these false stories, bogus narratives, uh, uh, they boomerang when people realize, you know what, you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes. And I think one of the places where that's going on right now, and you're seeing this amazing movement at the school board level, and that's with critical race theory. And I know you and the Heritage Action for America have been such important voices on highlighting what's going on here, the false history that's being taught, the uh, the anti-American agenda that's being slipped in to schools under the guise of, of equality. Uh, talk a little bit about what you've seen and how powerful the counter movement has become so quickly. Well, it's been an incredible, I, I think, four months to really see the movement against critical race theory be a wave of, of parents, um, right. of grandparents, of activists, very similar to what we saw with the Tea Party in 2008 and 9 and 10. I mean, this is the same sort of vigor um, and, and frankly, it's pulling even more people out uh, into, into activist circles than arguably before, which after the last eight years we've had, I, 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 I find it hard to believe, but we, we were part of a rally a couple of weeks ago and there were new people there and it was incredible to see. So I think parents nationwide, um, they're waking up to their children's education. They've been, schools have been shut down for a year or like me, you know, their children are doing school at the kitchen table. Right. I, I have an ear out. I can hear what my kid is learning for the first time, really as a parent ever. I have a window into his education. And a lot of parents don't like what they're hearing. And they don't like to see that critical race theory is being taught. And, and, and it's not that it's like, okay, this is the class from two to three. We're going to talk about critical race theory. Yes, there is some of that. But the truth is, CRT is a prism by which all things, history, math, science, business, economy, all things, all things are viewed through. And it's, it's a neo-Marxist way to look at the world because it pits one race against another. In the way that Marxism used to pit one class, class against, against another, other, right? now it's race against race. And there's nothing you can do about it, John. So as a parent, when I hear that and I hear that my white son is born an oppressor and there's nothing he can do about it. Or his black friends are born oppressed and there's nothing he can do about it, that they can't succeed. I mean, that kind of stuff wakes parents up. It gets us frustrated and angry and we don't want to see that sort of experiment done on our next generation. And some places are more extreme than others, absolutely. But the point is, is that there are real concrete steps that parents can take that community leaders can take, that teachers that are concerned about this can take to make sure that CRT doesn't continue to have a foothold in our schools and instead that it's rejected at the curriculum level. And that's what we're happy to support 
it's a grassroots movement. So Heritage Action does what I think we do best, which is let the grassroots speak. Yeah. We get out of the way. We give them resources on the back end. And so we've got a toolkit up, talks through how to use the FOIA process so you can capture all those behind the scenes emails and discussions that are taking place without you as a parent and really understand exactly what um, your children are being taught and if that's okay with you. I mean, at the end of the day, parents are responsible for their children and education is a big part of that. It is. It is. Talk a little bit more about this toolkit. So FOIA is one of those things, open records requests, find out how the curriculum is being developed. What are some of the other things in the toolkit that Hafa has built for parents, everyday Americans, to get engaged on this issue, to fix what they see as wrong? Uh, what are the other uh, elements that you're, you're advocating for and trying to educate people about? So I think the best way to think about your activism around CRT is in two buckets. What can you do locally if you have a child in school and you're concerned about that? And then what can you do legislatively? And so the local aspect, you mentioned this, but we've got a whole toolkit and, and detailed list of how to submit an open records request, what to look for, what sort of names to pull out, basically how to craft a FOIA so that it, it gets you the information you need. And then you can take that information and then you can use it to organize a, a rally or a school board meeting or some sort of uh, meeting of parents to talk about what you've learned and show the actual hard facts as almost like an investigative journalist, show the hard facts of what's being talked about behind the scenes and then chart a course to correct it, right? That's the thing. It's not just exposing it. That's part one. We then have to have a corrective method. You can't fight any something with nothing, right? You have to have a corrective method to go in there and to, to root this out. And that's where the legislation comes in. And there are bills both at the state level that are moving through states. So far, there's about 22 states that have actually proposed Isn't that amazing? anti-CRT bills, which is amazing. Five yeah. have signed them into law, Florida, of course, being one of those. And then there are federal bills now, too, that are starting to be introduced. Congressman Chip Roy has a great one, Dan Bishop, Senator Tom Cotton just released one yesterday. And so I think you're going to start seeing more and more elected officials get into the ring on this engage directly on the legislative angle. So use the local aspect to expose, to highlight, and to provide transparency, allow parents to speak up and to speak out against this, and then use that legislation to come in and to root it out so that it's not allowed to take hold in these districts. And our toolkit's free. Um, Anyone can grab it, or you can text CRT to 51776, and you can download it right on your phone. 51776, as in 1776. How about that? You huh? got it. <laughs> no accident there. Yeah, um, we try to keep it easy. Yeah, it's sort of interesting uh, because for most of us, including even in journalism, we have a subject expert here. We're very lucky at Justin News. Uh, we've got Greg Piper. He's been covering this issue for almost 10 years and seeing its small wow. evolution from the dark, you know, back corners of, of uh, teachers' meetings to, you know, a widespread scalability. But uh, for most people, we weren't even talking about this in November, December, January, February. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the Trump administration, there was a group of people that saw this coming and they put together the 1776 Commission and the curriculum. How important is that as a roadmap for legislatures that want to not only block CRT, but put something into place that actually most Americans would feel good that their, their children are learning from? It's amazing to me how fundamental just a, just the correct reading and understanding of American history is yeah. to ensuring that we have an America for the next generation, right? We have to know how we got here to figure out where we're going. And I think that the work of the 1776 Commission, I think the work of President Trump, 
certainly during the last year, to put such an emphasis on civics, on a first principles, on America's founding. I mean, that that stuff is critical to me. To me, look no further than the steps for someone that when they come to this country legally and they go through the legal immigration process and the steps that they have to take to learn about our country's founding, to learn about our our founding documents, our principles, what makes our American society so great. They do all of that to become an American citizen. But yet, if we look at our schools today, you don't even see a yep. glimmer of that Not curriculum of in None our of schools, it. which is so silly. It just doesn't make any sense. So I think we have a huge opportunity that as we root out CRT, let's make sure at the same breath that our schools are putting in place American history that teaches our founding, teaches our principles, how we got here. That doesn't mean you don't talk about slavery. Of course you do. That's part of our American history. It needs to be discussed. That doesn't mean that you don't talk about race. Of course you do. There are different races, just like there are different genders, just like there are different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds around this country. But you can't do it in a way that completely pits one part of society against another. And that replaces equality and opportunity for all Americans with this new word, this new buzz term called equity, which literally disintegrates one part of society from another. And so that's that's really what this comes down to. And I, and I think parents, I think elected officials, community leaders, we shouldn't be shy about talking about this. This is this is not something that we should um, be nervous about engaging. This is something that our country's next generation depends on that we get it right now. And I, I, I really do. I have to commend everyone that's shown up, that's taken to the streets, that's going to their school board meetings, that's issuing FOIAs, whatever it is that you can do, do it. Don't wait. And I, I think this is really just key. And that's why so many people are turning out. Yeah, no, the activism and the um, enthusiasm for getting this right because the stakes are so high. You just laid out the stakes as best as anyone's has laid it out. As I've talked about, about this over the last few months, it is about the next generation of children being taught the right way so they can succeed. And uh, that what, what greater stake could there be? I want to throw one last question at you because I, I think uh, it is the big gorilla in the room on this issue, and that is the National Education Association, the mm-hmm. teachers' union. Lots of people love their, the, the teacher that you know teaches their children. Uh, you know, most people trust that person and come to respect them because of the sacrifices you make as a teacher. Uh, but the NEA has become a one-sided liberal monolith that is pushing an agenda that I'm sure a lot of teachers don't want to teach. Certainly a lot of parents don't want to see their children be taught that agenda. Um, what do, do conservatives do? How do they counter the extraordinary influence that the NEA has over every teacher and clearly over the Democratic Party as one of its biggest donors? Yeah, the NEA is completely out of control and completely out of touch with, I think, the uh, average American, the average parent, the majority of teachers, I mean, they have, they are nothing less than the, you know, the, the mouthpiece to the two schools for the DNC. And that was made very clear in their last business meeting, where if you recall, two months ago, the NEA came out and said, actually, there's, there's no critical race theory being taught in school, period. You know, this isn't real. (laughs) Conservatives are fabricating a crisis. You've made something out of nothing. You know, we make all these crises out of nothing, apparently, John. So, you know, they come out and say that. But then you look at their business meeting yep. agenda this last week and you see Couldn't that there's be not any only a vote. Yeah, there's not only a vote on critical race theory, but there is a coordinated effort 
by the education establishment to force teachers to promote CRT in the classroom. And then they go even further and have specific line items to destroy any critics to CRT. And in that, they name Heritage and Heritage Action specifically as part of that, which is ridiculous. So I I think the NEA has its time uh, has set. uh, The sun has set on its time in America's education system. Teachers need to demand that their school districts remove uh, their dues-paying associations with the NEA. They need to separate from the NEA, and it's time for the NEA to close its doors. I mean, that's just truly where we're at. And so, you know, I think I think the irony of all of this is after we called out the NEA for what they had done at their business meeting, magically the pages on their website disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. And so they quickly then, you know, scrubbed any mention of this from their from their website. Yeah, we covered that. And we we saw yeah, it. We saw it happen that. right in front of our eyes, literally I mean, within hours. Wild. Yeah, it's like you hit refresh and it's automatic. Go on. So they know they know that they have overreached. There's you know fantastic organizations and news um, outlets like you guys that are shining a light on this, keeping screenshots so that we can see exactly what was said. And now we're at the place where I think we have the ability to separate from the NEA and not allow them to have this foothold in these school districts. But teachers have to be the ones say no and to untangle that relationship. And I only think teachers do that if parents are supporting them, encouraging them, and pushing them enough. Yeah, that's the dynamic that I think needs to be at work. I'll just share this little story. So I had a first grade teacher, uh, Miss Johnson. I loved her dearly. I once tried to claim I erased my homework and she erased my recess. So maybe it's time that we erase the recess of the NEA because I got mine, <laughs> mine erased one day. I, got, I think they called the detention back in those days. So <laughs> uh, Jessica, awesome. you are uh, always a, a pleasure to be uh, to have on this show. You always bring so much facts and information. And you know what? You don't bring a complaint. You always bring a solution. And we're so grateful grateful that what you're doing at Hoffa is not only just exposing wrongs, but having actionable things that people can do to fix wrongs, to fix things if you don't like what's going on. And that's very empowering to people who are busy. And so we, uh, we applaud all that you and, and Hoffa does on that front. Well, thank you. And thank you to everything that you're doing, John. This is a fantastic partnership. We love coming on this and talking to all of your listeners who I know are part of the movement to right these wrongs and to help protect our country. So big thank you to you and to all your listeners. Well, we're going to have you back soon because history is changing every day. I can't imagine. Every every two weeks, it seems like a big moment has happened. So we'll we'll have you back soon, Jessica. And thanks again. Talk to you soon. Thanks, All righty. Very good. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to introduce you to an extraordinary heroic figure you probably have never met, an Afghan interpreter injured multiple times in the line of duty with the U.S. Army, U.S. Marine Corps. We're going to bring him on here. Sabarak is his name. You will not forget his name once you hear his story. We'll be right back after this. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z 
The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. And I have to say, this may be my favorite moment of the week, maybe even the month. Um, I met this man five years ago. He was working in a food truck outside my office. Little did I know that sitting a few yards from where I sat and did journalism every day was a true American hero. I got to know him. I got to be part of a movie uh, about his life. His name is Saber Rock. He is one of the greatest translators to ever work for the U.S. military in any capacity, wounded multiple times in the service of our country. And now I'm proud to say gets to live in America, but he has a very big crisis. His own family is still living under the threat of Taliban violence and with American troops pulling out, they're in grave danger. Many of those who've helped the U.S. military in Afghanistan are facing death, certain death, if we don't do something. And so I wanted to bring my good friend, and a true American hero, Saber Rock, to the show. Saber, great to have you on the show, my friend. Thank you, Mr. John. Thank you so much. And good afternoon and good evening to everybody who is listening my voice and who is listening the Justice voice. Well, it's a voice that many people tried to snuff out, including the Taliban. And so I want, uh, I did a little bit of bio earlier in the show, but I think you tell your story better than anyone I've ever met. Tell us about why you came to work for the U.S. military, for the Marines and the Army, the soldiers who went out in the field every night, and the experiences you had and, and how you nearly got killed while serving this country. It's an amazing story, Saber. Just, just tell it in your own words. You do it better than anyone. Sure. Uh, I, I was an English teacher back then from 2001 to three, and then 2003, I joined um, as a cultural advisor and uh, interpreter for U.S. military forces. Uh, because my mom advised me uh, that uh, you can support all um, American forces and they are the only country, only people that bring peace and democracy for Afghanistan. And uh, I started from 2003 till 2008. And then 2008, I deployed to Helmand province, a dangerous place in the world. Oh, yes. uh, we call Sangin district of Afghanistan, uh, Helmand province. So when I deployed, I worked uh, uh, the U.S. Marine uh, officer, Mark, uh, Colonel Mark DeVito. He is still here in uh, California. And uh, when I support this unit, I save a lot of Marines, British forces, or military forces to uh, change Afghanistan situation. Unfortunately, the Taliban doesn't like my activity, doesn't like my service. Yeah. The Taliban, they put a $300,000 bounty on my head and they kill my family members. Mm. And they shot me, they cut my fingers off, and they, they cut my nose. I got many shrapnels, many uh, uh, bullets. And um, and right now, my family, they're in north of Afghanistan, and uh, the Taliban, they are trying to um, uh, kill and arrest my family. And I'm very worried about my family right now. And now I'm in Virginia, and I'm still supporting 
all uh, United States and yes, Afghanistan. You always have, my friend. And um, I'm proud to call you my neighbor. We live near each other in Prince William County. We're so lucky that you sir, uh, served our country so nobly. And it took a long time for our military to wrong a right. Now, I'll just tell this little part here. We we did a little movie about Saber Rock. It went on to win a bunch of uh, film festival awards, including a Hollywood Film Festival Award. It got on Amazon, and it really educated the American people about the extraordinary heroism of the interpreters we relied on, because they do more than just interpret. People like Saber Rock, they're guiding you. They're, they're doing civil operations and gaining the uh, uh, Afghan people's trust in the American military. These are the bond and glue between our troops and the everyday cities and communities in, in Afghanistan. And they're hated by the Taliban, as, as Saber said. And while we were doing the movie, uh, Saber was here on a work visa, but he was in danger of being sent back where he almost certainly would have been killed the moment he got back. And I believe it was General John Allen, if I remember Saber, that was able to intervene and get you uh, a, a permanent uh, green card to come here after your 18 years of extraordinary service, or sorry, 15 years of extraordinary service for the U.S. military. But your family was left behind. They are still in grave danger, and the Biden administration is struggling right now to figure out what do we do with the family members of all those who helped us. Tell us how, how bad are things for your family right now? Uh, right now, my family has become uh, one week that they are hiding right now in a basement. They cannot move in a downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I cannot mention the area name in the radio, but this is a dangerous area. The Taliban uh, captured that area. My family, they're stuck in. And, and I tried to do a hunger strike um, in D.C. I'm waiting for my permit. That uh, I support 15 years. Uh, the U.S. government now is the time that they can support me and help me and help my people. And uh, yes, uh, they are in danger right now, and I'm working on it. To I contact every day, make sure they are alive. I think um, uh, they, my mom and all that. They said we don't worry about it. I know one day we will die, but uh, make sure you are still supporting uh, your country, wow. which is here. And uh, I'm kindly requesting from uh, Congress and from Senate and also from government of United States, especially State Department to help me. Uh, I'd never asked for help before. This is a time to ask. If they cannot ask, that's fine. No problem. It's okay. Well, it would be immoral and unethical of this country after all you've done for it, Saber, for us not to do something for your family. Tell folks how many times you were wounded while working as an interpreter. I mean, it was multiple times, right? Multiple times. Many times I got wounded, but I never gave up. I start restarted. I never say no. I said, until I die, I support, and I will support the future of this country. Yeah, and you consider America your country now, don't you? It is, and I'm proud that it is, and I'm very happy. But I'm just a little bit worried, and, you know, it become two weeks that I cannot eat good and I cannot sleep good because my family is in danger right now. Yeah, and you've started a hunger strike, is that right? Until the uh, the U.S. government does something to bring your family home, is that correct? Uh, correct, correct. I want to do a hunger strike for three days or one week that if anyone can hear my my voice and bring their family. And uh, right now, um, a lot of people, you know, uh, the people, they want me to run the office. There is an office I call Afghanistan America Relation Office. Right. That, uh, that I bring messages from people and SIVs and immigration and linguists and all that. So I 
coordinate and I, I record all every single messages from the linguist who got fired, who got left behind back in Afghanistan. And I, on behalf of them, I will talk later on also. It is remarkable. How many people are there, uh, Sabre, based on your knowledge of the interpreters and others who supported the U.S. military, how many people and their family members are in danger? Is there a, a ballpark number of how many people you would like to see move to the United States or to a neutral country to get protection? Sure. Uh, there's uh, 1,800 family, 1,800 linguists that they are still in Afghanistan. Hmm. According uh, the counting that we counted, 9,627 family uh, people that they are, uh, which is they are uh, waiting for the visa and they are asking for help and support. So we have 1,800 linguists and workers that they still in Afghanistan is not getting any visa yet. Unbelievable. And, then, and the Taliban, they are trying to kill them. They are trying to, uh, you know, capture them. And, uh, you know, that. so let me uh, say something about the Taliban. Please. Uh, uh, most of people, they don't know about Taliban. So Taliban terrorists, I added one word next to the Taliban, we call terrorists. So Taliban terrorists are uh, abduction uh, young girls to sell them as a sex slave outside the country. Mm. And I especially, thank you, Mr. President Biden. What will be your answer to your conscious or superego? So uh, a lot of people, uh, they, they ask, the United States left Afghanistan irresponsibly. Mr. Biden could wait to the establishment of a legal government in the country. Majority of people of Afghanistan hate the puppet Ashraf Ghani, the current so-called president right. of Afghanistan. So I am, uh, which is the people of Afghanistan, we have message, please, American brothers and sisters, do not leave us in the hand of wild t Taliban terrorists you will have to answer the history one day. You have no I doubt that those left behind, once the troops are pulled out, they will get all of those 10,000 plus people that we're talking about, right? Correct, correct. The people of Afghanistan uh, want peace and democracy without interfere of foreigners. So the people say, and the government say, please stop Pakistani to arm and send Taliban terrorists to Afghanistan. Taliban bases are in Pakistan, and Taliban terrorists get armed and are sent to Afghanistan. When the when American uh, uh, forces withdraw from Afghanistan, the Taliban will kill majority of people of innocent sure. people, especially women, which is we don't want that, Mr. John. Oh, no one wants that. These are all people that supported our troops. They and their families <clears throat> bet on America. They helped us fight this war for 20 years. They helped us root out Al-Qaeda and ISIS. And now as we withdraw, they're in limbo. You need to understand this, folks. These folks are one soldier away from being captured and killed and tortured. And all, are their children sent into human trafficking and sex trafficking? What the Taliban will do to people like Sabre, who's safe yeah. here in America now, and his family and others is unspeakable. And it's something that we can't stand silent about. Sabre, what's the best way if someone wants to join what you're doing? Uh, what is the best way? What can someone do it to get to their member of Congress, the White House, 
and say, listen, protect Sabres family, protect all of those who supported us. We have a moral right to do so. How do they go about doing that? Uh, actually, um, I uh, already contact uh, Congressman Kretzer Smith and uh, through uh, which is I have connection with him. And he said that's the best way to contact State Department. And a State Department can, because I'm American uh, and I have a U.S. passport, my family right. does, and I'm allowed to bring my my parents, my family, back in here. And they have a case as well. They have a case number, everything. I just want State Department to expedite my family case to bring my parents over here yep. and my brother and sister. Yeah, and I They're have a legal case. Exactly. And if not, in one or two weeks, if I'm not relocating them from one location to another, they might kill my family because I support American forces. And when I support American forces, American uh, military forces, they kill a thousand, thousand Taliban. So they, Taliban, they are taking, they are trying to take revenge mm. of my family. So I don't, I don't want that. No, no one wants that to, uh uh, Saber, no one wants that. You've shown enormous heroism. You have the scars to show what you sacrificed for our country. I saw them personally. I, I know your story well. Folks, if you haven't had the chance to watch this movie, Saber Rock, it's on Amazon. It's free. Uh, you want to meet a real American hero, somebody who uh, fought for this country and uh, did so at great risk to he and his family. Uh, Saber Rock is that man. Saber Rock is that movie. Watch it. It's all true. It's all original footage of Sabre in the field with our Marines and our soldiers, our troops. And uh, I want to ask you about America in a second, but I want to go to one last thing. The The last time you were really seriously wounded, uh, you, you were hit with an IED that was specifically targeting you. Uh, you had already been out on one mission, right? And you, it was your turn actually to come back and rest, but you chose to go out almost sleepless that night, right? I think you hadn't slept. You, you chose to go back out in that mission when they, when they got you with the IED. Tell me a little bit about why you would volunteer for the most hazardous duty when you're, you're dead tired, you're exhausted, and yet you wanted to be back out with your, your troops, your Marines. Tell us uh, why you did that and what happened that night. Actually, I was a very hard worker when the Marine, they, they went to the, any special combat, any special patrol right. or operation. They call me that Saber. I, we trust you a lot, and I wanna. We wanna go with you. So we, I just came from um, the war zone uh, to the military base, and with uh, I was with other company. Then the other uh, marine company said, Saber, we need someone, and they saw that I was exhausted and I was tired. And the other uh, linguist, uh, that was his turn to go. But when he and knew about this operation, that operation was very dangerous operation, and nobody ready to go. Uh, everybody backed up. He said, no, we cannot go. It's very dangerous. I don't know what will happen. Uh, and then I never say no. I said, in a dangerous situation, if any American uh, ready to go and they are going to to be killed, why I'm not? They have blood. I have I have blood also. They don't have water. Uh, in a state of blood, so right. our blood is same. Our, our, we all one human. I'm going to support these units. So I never say no to any American unit for operation. So once I went outside, they especially they target me. A week before me and Colonel Margivido, he got a message. 
from one of the Taliban member by ICOM that they said we will kill Saber Rock this week because there's a good story because the Taliban they train children to throw rocks to try uh, to put the eye right. to do suicide bomber against all American forces. But I was only the guy that teach all children that a American they're b- making Afghanistan great. They're building road. They're building mosque, school, and they're letting you to go to school. They get your security. They make your good security. And the Taliban they're destroying your. Uh, uh, school. They're destroying your mosque. They're not letting you to go to school. They're stopping you to have education. So you, as a human, as a children, as a future of Afghanistan, think Taliban are good people or American are good people. And then the children, they said, wow, that's a good message. No, no, uh, you're right, Saber Rock. Uh, American, they're good people because they're making a school. I said, you see these beautiful schools? they all made by dollars, not made by Taliban money. So they understood. And then the Taliban say uh, a lot of children, a lot of people, they join Americans, they support Americans. In a state of throwing rocks, they brought fresh grapes to Americans. They brought fresh flowers to Americans that welcome to our area, welcome to our villages. So I, I change children's minds to uh, they were throwing rocks now they brought the flower and the taliban they got upset they said a lot of people a thousand thousand million people they are turning and uh, uh, they are turning our face from us and they are going to help americans so who is the who is the link who is the guy they said that's the saber rock because i was an english teacher and i know how i teach children and how i teach the people of afghanistan then they target me. They put the $300,000 and they said, we will kill Saber Rock in one week. And Ms. Colonel Mark DeVito was my witness. And he targeted the Taliban. They target me and also ta- uh, target Colonel because I, uh, I was always with the Colonel Mark DeVito. He was a major before. Now he became a Colonel Marine. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, Saber, I want to ask you one last question before we go. And that is, we hear today a lot of people uh, say negative things about America who are Americans. They're saying our country is racist. It's unforgiving. It's uh, terribly flawed. You aspired to come here and you, you worked alongside our Marines, our soldiers in the field. Can you tell us a little bit whether you agree with those sentiments that America is flawed and racist and, and uh, uh, unworthy of, of the praise it has gotten over the, over the centuries? Uh, actually, I have one word and uh, a good sentence that I learned from from child, and I'm 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 I believe on that. We all one human. There is uh, we I know we all black, white, green, yellow, uh, whatever Muslim, Christian, Hindu, Jewish, whatever we are. But we are one human. Uh, um, I, I, personally, me, I'm not religion. I'm not uh, white. I'm not green. I'm not yellow. I'm not Muslim. I'm not Christian. I'm not Hindu but I'm everybody. Let's be a good human. Doesn't matter we are Republican and Democrat. Doesn't matter we are black or white. Doesn't matter we are Muslim or Christian, but God love us as the best human. We all a great human. Let's be a great human for God. There are some important words to live by. And Sabre, you remain an inspiration for me from the moment I met you. Uh, It was hard not to recognize the extraordinary passion and love you have for this country and for your own home country of Afghanistan. You sacrifice much 
in the fight for freedom in Afghanistan. And our country owes you a great debt of gratitude. And it seems as though we might be able to show that by getting your family and the other families of interpreters here on safe ground in the United States before our troops withdraw. We're we're hoping for the best. Sure. I have one message. If anybody uh, want to have uh, want to have more information about SIV or have question about SIV or linguists in Afghanistan, please contact Mr. John and John will share my information to any any organization they want. And the people and I have one last message that we expect uh, our American friends and the rest of international community to stop um, uh, massacre. Uh, innocent people and uh, harassed of women in the north of Afghanistan because in the uh, the Taliban the terrorists there harassed uh, children I mean uh, underage uh, girls and women a lot of Taliban they say now the American they left and we beat America which is they don't they said we beat American forces America and now a lot of uh, 55 60 years old Taliban they are getting married with uh, 18, 16, 14 years old girls by force. Hmm. They, they said, we want uh, every Taliban need to get married, uh, get have five wives, four wives, and they can uh, harass the women of Afghanistan, especially in the north. So I'm kindly uh, um, requesting from all Americans to stop uh, Mizakur, uh, the innocent people, uh, because the Taliban, they're killing all women. If any woman is not getting married with the Taliban, uh, they will kill the family. And the Taliban, they said, we, uh, if there is a three men in the house, we want two of those men to help the Taliban, to join the Taliban in the north of Afghanistan. And if there is a, a woman, a girl, uh, from 14 to uh, 40 years old, they have to get married with the Taliban. If there is a widow in the house, they have to get married with the Taliban members. Even if the Taliban members have five wives, they have oh. to get married. Otherwise, we will kill them. So this is not fair. This is not fair for President Biden. This is not fair for all Americans. We have to support human beings. We have to support all those children and people of innocent people. Thank you. Well, that's an important message, Saber, and I know you're telling the truth because you always have, and you're, you've been a great asset and friend of our country, and it's our time for our country to show that love back to you. Folks, if you want to send a message to Saber Rock, send it to me here at saberrock at justthenews.com, saberrock at justthenews.com. We set up an email address, and we'll forward all of that information so he can connect with you. Uh, Saber, we wish you the best. We're going to stay on this story. We're not, we're not backing off. And sure. uh, we're thank looking- you so much, Mr. John. Well, and thank you for your uh, best channel, Just the News channel. I thank love you. it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're very kind, sir. We're going to stay in touch and you be safe and give our best to your family over in Afghanistan. Sure. Thank you. God bless. God bless you too, my friend. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. 
plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. It's time to wind up for the weekend. Hey, Go to KansasCitySteaks.com, use the Just News code, get yourself a fresh round of steaks for the second round of summer. We're past 4th of July, great time to be grilling out. We love our good friends at Kansas City Steaks, so grateful for everything they do for us. Check them out today. It is weekend time, you've earned it. Loosen the tie, pull out the bear glass, get a wine glass out, turn on your favorite movie or book, have some fun. And when you're bored, go check justthenews.com out. We've got the latest news, including the former FBI expert for handwriting analysis, Wayne Barnes, who has concluded that Hunter Biden did indeed sign the receipt that was used to turn over his laptop that eventually ended up in the hands of the FBI. Hmm, maybe this will prod Hunter Biden's memory. We'll see. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week with more great shows, great guests, exclusive reporting. From Just the News and John Solomon reports. God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon reports, a podcast from Just the News. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, 
Those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org justnews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advice fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's donorstrust.org slash just news.